Hello and welcome to a new series of interviews um, in our Cities ABC uh, video podcast uh, platform. My name is Dinis Guarda and I'm here to talk and uh, interview some of the leading experts and as well influencers in the world in different areas, as well leading scientists and other personalities that are coming up with new ways of looking at technology, looking at solutions for our society, for our cities, and as well finding a better way to look how we can actually be more creative and how we can actually solve the big problems that we're facing as humanity. Uh, CitiesABC.com is the platform behind this series of podcasts that I'm leading, and uh, we create this platform as a way of gathering different experts and different personalities around the world from cities where all we live and put them all together working and collaborating and finding better solutions, especially with the challenge we're facing with both uh, digital transformation, but as well with the emergence of AI, uh, wearable technologies, a lot of different things. And as well, um, trying to find a vision that is more positive, tech for good in a lot of ways, but as well, a sustainable vision that is focused on people and people first and using the technology to enable solutions, not just to create more dystopian narratives. Um, we have today with us João Bocas, that is as well known as the wearables expert, uh, that is an influencer marketing expert and as well an healthcare and lifestyle coach, and as well someone that has been in, working on the digital industry for a long time. So João is, is uh, uh, a keynote speaker and an expert in wearable technologies, but as well in the areas of healthcare, especially healthcare tech, and is a global recognized business thought leader, mentor and advisor. And his passion lies in sharing experience and as well connecting people. It's one of the things I love about Joao, his energy to connect people. So, and as well as been working with major brands and as well uh, leveraging uh, a lot of different areas from healthcare to financial services, media, sporting and further and, and public uh, uh, sector organizations. And as well, he has been working specifically in the area of sports industry and healthcare. So welcome to our podcast, João. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hello, Denise. Delighted to be here. Thanks for the invite. Okay, so João, so I'm particularly excited to talk as influencers so we can actually talk about a lot of industry challenges and as well a lot of the problems. But I want to start with your basis. So you are like me, Portuguese. I think you are, you are my second Portuguese interview. But uh, we are citizens of the world. And I think you came from Portugal to the UK, been in the UK for a long time. And you have a very international career. So can you tell us about your background and as well what made you João Boc as the wearables expert? Yeah, sure. Fantastic. Well, uh, let me tell you a bit about myself. Uh, I'm born in Portugal. I'm from Lisbon, Portuguese citizen of the world like you. I like that. Um, and I came to UK in Portugal, actually. I work in sales in different sectors. I work in insurance, office automation. I work for a leading tech brand in Portugal called Panasonic. When the faxes and the, the photocopy machines came out a long time ago, I used to do the door-to-door uh, sales. It was hard work, but it was really good fun. But anyway, I came to uh, England in 2001 and my English was very, very limited. I've done all, the, all those jobs that no one wants to do when you move to a country when you don't speak the language. I clean restaurants and hotels and, and then I graduated with a sports degree because sports is actually one of my uh, passions. Uh, I love sport. I love football, but also other sports. Uh, graduated with a sports degree and started working in professional sport with a local uh, football team in here in the southeast of England. 
and they might start to get involved in health, wellness, sports, but always have an interest uh, in technology. And actually, I entered the technology space. I was already in health and healthcare for a number of years, but I entered the technology space by accident, in a sense, because I started to do a startup in health tech back in 2015 with a business partner. And the, the revolution really of technology in the sense of um, uh, leveraged technology in healthcare started to appear. So in 2015, I became involved with um, technologies in health and also the wearables came from them because we were testing lots of different wearable technologies to gather data to go into our health tech platform. So the wearables expert came from there. As well, the, that you... You've been starting for a lot of different things and end up in technology. I think everyone right now in the world is, is end up in technology in one way or the other. So I think um, one of the things that I'm particularly excited and as well uh, to see through your work and your passion and energy is definitely the way you bridge uh, influencer marketing, the way you bridge um, all the components of coaching, and as well the, the, the areas of wearable technology and, and sports. So I would like to start a bit more through the sports, okay? Because sports is... Um, it's one of the biggest industries in the world and it's becoming digital. And actually it's quite interesting with COVID-19 where the, the sports industry uh, has been facing a big break in LA uh, in one way, because of course all the professional sports are stopped because of the, the social distance. Um, but at the same time, people are doing a lot of sports at home and increasing all the different things between tech and health. And that takes us as well to the, the area of wearables. So I would like to have, from your um, uh, background and as well where we are at the moment, so can you tell us a bit about these stories of the sports with technology and how you see that area right now? Because I think that's particularly interesting to start with your background and where we are, we are right now. Yeah, sure. Uh, I gave you a bit of a retrospective where I've been, but um, before, before I actually got involved in technology, I work as a football coach, as a health coach, as a fitness coach, and there were no technology involved. It was just about um, change of behavior, and it was about challenging people. It was about telling people about uh, knowledge and things to uh, better themselves. But the last few years, really, the blend of um, technology with the other things, with the knowledge, if you like, has been really a revolution. And I'll give you an example. Now, we have been in lockdown for a few, a few months. I've actually been doing workouts with my phone on Instagram because it's like a leading, um, a leading fitness trainer from London does these sessions um, every morning so technology uh, is really crucial at the moment and it will be and will be more and more in in the future but um i see also i i can divide the the sports technology in two in two areas if you like one is more the lifestyle the let's say the average um type of person that wants to um, lose weight or improve their lifestyle or uh, eat better or have more energy or deal with stress or weight management issues, whatever that is, that there are a particular reason to engage with technology. Um, and then I see now the professional sports and the professional sports has become, uh, um, well, is a big industry, but now is a, a sports tech industry that are using technology to monitor sports performance, which it was done in the past, but not as accurately that um, 
the way we see in it now. And now we're seeing now a lot of technology on sports players. We see, the, 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 for example, in football, they use the vests with some wearables inside and sensors. They gather all the data. So it's very... Um, I mean, it's it's very exciting to see where technology is playing a really a crucial role in in everything, really, from the average citizen to a professional sportsman or sportswoman. You know. Now that's I completely am with you, and I think this uh, I think this is going to be exploding going forward because as we start digitizing with uh, Apple watches and Samsungs and Hawaii's and all these big brands, we have more and more. Or need uh, for for integrating the datification of our kind of our digital uh, twin, um, but as well, especially on sports, we're still in the beginning. So I would like to make a separation between, like the like you said, the people that do lifestyle coaching or lifestyle sports. Let's put it that way to improve their way, to improve different things, and then the professional coaching. Um, and I think, for instance, uh, uh, there's a massive industry right now in, in especially in sports data. Um, and it started mostly in the United States, but right now it's going around the world in terms of bringing a lot of um, uh, sense of datifying the sports, both the competition and all the, the business around the competition, but as well the performance. Um, as a coach, um, and as someone that has been in the wearables industry and as well in the healthcare industry, what would be, what do you see are the biggest trends and how you see the biggest challenge as well in creating this balance between the the datification of our lives and as well what we, we give away to a lot of big brands and the big colossus of data that we have worldwide? Yeah, fantastic question. It's actually complex because um, there are a lot of different conflicts of interest. For example, if we talk about the healthcare, the healthcare providers and even health insurers and pharmaceutical companies, have, of course, have an interest in gathering personal data because they can do studies on a massive scale but from um, from a personal perspective and this is just a um, this is just a personal opinion i don't actually have a problem in giving away my data as long as it's not for any kind of illegal activities or anything like that i don't actually mind uh, if you know how many hours i slept or if you know my steps or if you know that i'm doing some kind of activity i don't think that is detrimental but of course there are commercial um, sensitivities in that there are many challenges uh, uh, i think one of the things that we've been uh, i've been seeing in a lot of different conferences now we've been talking about data since i got involved in technology i mean we go to conferences everybody talks about data wants the data the challenge with the data but I'm more interested now in exploring some kind of ethics that will be related to data, but also be related with wearables. So, for example, now the wearables are very uh, used in workplace, and um, the I mean the employees are very reluctant actually about what happens with my data. It's not just about sharing with the insurance company to reduce premiums, but they have some kind of um, fear that personal intrusion and and the employer can know their steps i mean the steps in terms of no steps in physical sense of the activity but the steps what they are doing what time they wake up what time they go to bed when they leave work so it's a big thing around ethics about um, around security around even um, personal intrusion about uh, personal lives and we don't want the we don't want the technology to be 
uh, enabled to be a type of big brother of our lives. And that's the last thing that we want, I believe. So is there many things in here to consider, you know? Yeah, and I think, uh, so being, from your experience as a coach, as a football coach and, and as well in, in sports, do you see right now, for instance, one of the things that I, I, I've been seeing even from my experience is that, so at the moment, technology is used to augment the performance of the sports people. Okay, and this is as well used to measure the performance. Uh, so one thing is to optimize their performance, but as well to measure in terms of data and different things. Um, it's obvious that, like you said, from from giving the data away, that's not a problem. But as we get more artificial intelligence into the into the the story, we're going to have much more challenges because, let's say. If someone is smoking, um, of course, an insurance can actually block um, because that, that means the probability of death is much bigger. And as well, as this gets into healthcare, it becomes much more complex. So how do you see this bridge of the data between the, the performance of the sports or lifestyle? Because let's say if I'm not walking, uh, of course, I'm getting have more problems. Or if, I, if I'm, I'm thinking about that, I didn't walk much this week. <laughs> but uh, but is this kind of things that we need to do. So how do you see this balance between the lifestyle part the sports component and as well the all the the more pertinent and high questions that comes out of this because that's a big and special on the healthcare uh, because this has massive consequences and as well there's a lot of algorithms already predicting uh, well even the lifetime of a person based on DNA and stuff like that so there's a lot of complexities and this takes us as well to viral so just try to have a bit of a, your insights a lot of things here but I just want to have a bit of how do you see these different complexities yeah a bit of an overview uh, I see uh, if I start to a, let's say professional sport and then move to the healthcare side because they are let's say my two my two main areas in professional sports actually um, sports performance has been measured and tracked for a number of years in some in some sports for example in athletics a football is all very relative because they measure the they measure the distance run for example from a midfield player in on average in comparison if they work hard enough they measure the intensity they measure sprints they measure how many times they touch the ball they measure a number of things and, but for example, if we go to athletics, the margins are very, very minimal. Yeah, everybody knows. For example, ten years ago, that the world record of ten k was nine point seven, nine point eight. You know, so a, a, a margin can be actually a millisecond or even a second. You know, but now what I'm seeing is that because the technology is more advanced actually you can implement uh, in terms of training training uh, programs that actually you try to reach that particular time but also what i see now in professional sports which is more interesting than actually measuring the output is measuring the recovery time uh, muscular recovery avoid injuries and also the rest of the the rest the rest in terms of body rest of the players and the athletes and that's one of the and that's one of the major trends that everybody thinks is about the output but it's actually the reverse side of things the management of injury the prevention of injury the recovery side of things so technology is actually um uh, super beneficial there and uh, utilized now in that in that way there are many companies doing great things i'm not going to mention names but i follow a lot of the nordic companies in for example the 
Finnish companies, they always had a very big pedigree in wearables and they actually started the wearables industry a good few years ago. They have amazing reputation in working in professional sport in other industries. Moving to healthcare, um, when I entered the corporate wellness side of things, I don't know if you remember this, but maybe 10, 15 years ago, it used to be the pedometers. Very simple, they just give you the steps in a digital manner, so seven or 8,000 or 9,000 steps. Things have progressed. And um, now what I see in terms of healthcare is actually, um, well, do, if we talk about wearables, we talk about data, we talk about people, but we talk about um, a behavioral change. And everybody thinks that the wearables on its own, they, they, have, this, they have this kind of magical answer. But actually, the wearables are just a vehicle to enable the person to make changes and gather some kind of intelligence. Because the miracle always lies with the human being and your own motivation to use the wearable and also to have some intrinsic motivation that uh, enables you to connect with wearable, not in the sense of the data, but in the sense of meaningful, what is meaningful to you. And I'll give you an example. At the moment, I'm very interested in my sleep because I'm not really interested if I do 10 or 20,000 steps. I do like, uh, I cycle and I run and I'm more interested in actually gathering my rest and my sleep. But what is relevant to you, Denise, might not be relevant to me. For example, you might have a weight problem and you are more interested in gathering um, your weight activity and also like, how much you eat and how much actually activity during during the day. I'm more interested in sleeping data. So I think one of the things that wearables are actually is a big gap is to explain and educate people that is very important to have an intrinsic motivation and relevance, personalization, because all the wearables come with these things, uh, data around steps, physical activity, sleep. But if you don't engage with something that is meaningful to you in the long run, the long-term engagement is not there. So it's very, it's very personal, you know, but the wearables have these gaps of, um, to be filled with education, with supporting people. I've seen many things that are actually missing and they're not the solution for everything. They are actually uh, a part of the puzzle, if you know what I mean. I'm completely with you. So, so I think then touching, let's continue a bit on the, on the healthcare and the healthcare tech. So healthcare tech is really right now a convergence and it's becoming more and more relevant, but there's still a lot of challenges there. So um, from your experience between sports and healthcare, how do you see the healthcare sector that you see in that direction? Mm, yeah, certainly. I see a lot of challenges with them. I mean, for example, one of the major issues is interoperability. I mean, the connectivity, for, for example, in UK, the healthcare system is very fragmented. You might have a certain technology in an hospital in Manchester and in London, they have a, they have a different vendor, a different type of uh, technology enablement. So that creates a lot of uh, pressure because the systems sometimes they don't communicate with each other because they're not compatible. But there are other, other issues. For example, if we talk about um, devices related issues, if we talk about medical devices and wearables, it is an issue about uh, power, connectivity, but also in terms of batteries. Like um, now we see the sensors and the medical devices having a, a much more 
computing power, the sensors are actually smaller, and uh, they have more output in terms of energy consumption and everything. But one of the things that I've seen wearables from a device point of view is people very, very easily break the behavior if um, battery runs out, if you forget your wearable, if you live on the top of the fridge. So everything is very relative. And for example, then if you're talking about an insurance company that gets that data on a regular basis, what happens if you stop feeding that data? What happens if they start um, not getting your insights and I mean, they're not gonna give you the reward that you were expected. So in terms of healthcare, there are many things in here to consider, but the health systems, I think, for example, the coronavirus, the COVID-19, has done a bit of a favor to the healthcare industry, to be fair, because it really highlights the need for adoption and to have uh, some kind of standards in place for the digital health, the, in this I call digital health, but for the health tech industry to kind of um, uh, catch up with the, with the technology developments. So healthcare is actually a, a very complex and highly regulated industry, which, which it, it turns things a bit um, more difficult because, for example, um, the Asian market is very different than the Nordic market. The UK market is very different than the Dutch market. The Dutch market is different than the German market. Uh, so that's uh, in terms of... Um, standard global standardization is very difficult even only now the world health organization put in place some guidelines for digital health only now after all these years so it's a complex industry and it's difficult sometimes to make the desired impact you know yeah completely so and i think it's going to be like you said covid 19 is accelerating all of this but uh, we even just two years ago, we had the biggest hospitals in the UK being all act. So we have a lot of work to be done on that level. So, so I think shifting right now in terms of your work as an influencer marketing expert and as well being very involved with a lot of brands uh, from the, the work as in wearables, but as well in off tech. So how do you see influencer marketing, especially in these areas? Because from, like you said, influencer marketing is becoming increasingly important because all of us right now our brands and all of us need much more support on the digital side. And the irony is that there's a lot of brands that have no digital profile at all. A lot of organizations, a lot of even massive institutions or personalities. So how do you see your work with influencer marketing, which is, I think you are right now a professional influencer marketer and as well working in a lot of areas in coordination between the different areas of expertise. Yeah, well, it's it's an it's an exciting time for influencer marketing because there is an industry in its own right. And I remember, Denise, back in 2015 when I entered the digital health space, I, I called myself a digital health influencer and people used to ask me, but what does that mean, influencer? It was a completely alien concept and terminology. Now you see that uh, there are influences in many industries and actually um, uh, a lot of different um, uh, marketing companies now are emerging in this space, in the influencer marketing space. But what I've been doing, I started to do um, thought leadership interviews of others and uh, including myself back in 2016, going to global conferences and ask people about 
the technologies, the challenges, a bit what you're doing now, the challenges, bounce back ideas, highlight the problems in society, in healthcare, in this case. And um, back then it was just kind of awakening of the, of this concept. Now there is the norm. Now you see all the major brands are using influences to amplify their content, to um, get attention to the new innovations, their products, to amplify sales. So they use that as a strategy. And what I've been doing lately is I've been doing a lot of influencer marketing in the healthcare space, but now I'm actually covering other emerging technologies and I'm supporting other influencers to amplify their content. And I'm in a middle epicentric of this kind of a collaborative approach. I think you know that I have a very large uh, following on Twitter and LinkedIn, but also I created a group where we share our content. So I think collaboration is fundamental. I'm not an expert in all areas, that's impossible. The technology is very big, but I'm doing a lot of great things in AI, cloud, um, wearables, of course, uh, hybrid, hybrid cloud in healthcare. I'm very interested in edge computing and, and also um, RPI, robotic process automation in healthcare, because they really, um, promise to deliver a lot of efficiencies and costs a reduction. So technologies that actually have a, a direct impact and, and the really results really. But yeah, it, it's, an, it's an interesting, very interesting time. Yeah, and I think it's, it's I, I would see that all the areas that you mentioned, especially healthcare is probably the one that is going to be making us completely digital, but there's a lot of challenge still going on on that. So. From the healthcare, let's go to wearables because wearables and healthcare are related. But there's a huge industry on the healthcare. Uh, on on the the healthcare is is obvious uh, how big is the industry, but the wearables are becoming really big as well. And there's a component of more fashionable lifestyle. And there's a component between bridge of health wearables and um, and health and all the areas of health tech. So. Can you tell us a bit from your research and as well from your experience working with wearables technology and as well wearable brands, what would be the highlights and where are we at this moment in terms of the wearables industry? Yeah, uh, well, I would separate wearables in, um, let's say, the more traditional uh, fitness trackers and let's say the more lifestyle devices to the medical devices. I would classify them in two, band, in two, in two bands non-medical device, lifestyle, general fitness, or a medical device. One of the challenges in terms of um, the medical device side, actually, there, uh, it's there is no standardization. Well, there is regulation. For example, the FDI needs to approve um, a medical device to be used in certain markets. In UK, there is the MHRA, classification of medical device class uh, one or two. But um, in terms of um, industry as such, there is no benchmark. For example, there are issues around the quality of the data. There are issues around connectivity. There are issues about uh, compromising security and even cybersecurity procedures. So the industry doesn't have a standardization yet because it's not a mature enough industry. It's not like, for example, automation or automotive that is... Uh, hundred years industry that they can put protocols and things in place. So there are major challenges. Um, I think 
what we see today will be very different in five or ten years time because now we're seeing smartwatches, fitness bands, the fashion tech is very exciting. But also in terms of trends, what I'm seeing now, I'm seeing more sensors, I'm seeing more apps that do the same thing that the wearables promise to do around, for example, diabetes and even augmented reality. And also, I, I, I'm seeing the wearables to become more efficient around, for example, clothing, because the sensors that are in a watch or that are in a hearable can go anywhere. Also, I saw a company doing a great thing in the US that have a hearable device that can now monitor your blood pressure through your, um, I mean, through your, through your device with a sensor there. So that's very revolutionary, you know. So things are evolving extremely, extremely fast. And that's, um, and that's a good thing in a way. And do you think right now there's, like you said, you touch right now in terms of wearables, there's a relationship between wearables and AR and VR. And, and as well, a lot of companies, like you said, the, from the fashion lifestyle to the healthcare, but as well, a lot of um, more advanced features on the wearables. So fr from like some industry trends that you've been seeing and as well from your experience in speaking in conference, what do you would see like to say, let the list top of the five trends and top some even some apps that you recommend or some actually case studies that you've been seeing really of something that is really creating a cutting edge, probably in healthcare, fashion, and actually other industries. Yeah. So, for example, in um, I mean, in the healthcare industry, we we saw very uh, recent uh, contact lenses. There were smart lenses that could, for example, um, get uh, a diabetic. Uh, diabetic reading through um, through tears, uh, getting the glucose levels through through I mean in in the eye instead of uh, pricking and be an evasive reading, non-evasive reading. That's uh, extremely intelligent. Um, I saw an app that could actually through face recognition um, uh, gather uh, a risk of um, uh, getting cancer in the future which it's 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 incredible because we could do some readings around your skin levels and temperature and there's an algorithm that could do different things but definitely the the fashion tech is very interesting is another trend um, and i'm seeing uh, many things uh, appearing now but the smart clothing you know the the senses in 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 clothing and yeah, these are the major the major ones that I'm seeing right now. Very interesting. So, and I think then coming back to the the um, the areas of bridge between, uh, I want to touch a bit more on that, especially in sports tech and the relationship between sports tech, sport tech, and wearables. Are you seeing any particular developments on that from any kind of big brands or apps that that really are doing any cutting edge, or still in the very early days? stage on that i think it's it's early days i think there are two companies from my knowledge now that are kind of leading the market in terms of um, i mean in terms of the performance dealing with the major the major sporting brands but there are a few startups that you know you always have the challenges isn't it you always have new startups doing different things and in the sports tech industry i can I can actually see great things happening right now in terms of performance, but as I mentioned before, um, 
as the wearables and, and the tracking become more intelligent, they, they offer more things. We, what I'm noticing is um, it's always an add-on for the next thing, you know, and also they're becoming extremely comprehensive because they can do many things at the same time. So, yeah, very competitive, I would say. And, uh, and from my experience, and I'm not an expert in wearables at all, but I'm just uh, curious. I'm seeing right now, so for instance, from the, probably if I will look at the biggest case studies, is definitely, let's say, just looking at uh, something related to some of the things. So we were looking at fitness trackers, smartwatches, ECG monitors, blood pressure, and, and a lot of biosensors and things like that. Um, are you seeing any of these things becoming completely mainstream, especially the fitness trackers? Besides, of course, let's say if you, anyone that has a Samsung watch or an Apple watch or a Huawei uh, watch or something like that is already having all of these sensors and all of these things. But are you seeing a bridge between what people effectively have on their, on their phones and people understanding how this can actually interact with their lives? Or we still feel that these things are not being adopted and having the adoption that they could, can have in the future? Mm, great, great question. I think by my experience of working in health for quite a long time, I think um, the, always the piece uh, missing of the jigsaw is the health education side, you know, and I work with children in the past, I work with different uh, adult age groups and uh, people they don't understand what uh, can be done. I think the industry is still in early days and I'll give you an example, only about 20% of the adult population have a wearable, so we still have another 70 or 80% of the marketplace to fight for and also for example, with the Apple Watch number five now, we have the um, ECG capability. But then, but then there is, you might get an alert, but there is no service behind. So the Apple, they, they didn't do, for example, uh, a type of assistance or customer service or support service if that happens. So, I mean, things are still fragmented. I know Apple is very big and... Um, there are other players now uh, catching up, but I think things are not unified yet. And also, it's not truly mainstream. The accessibility is mainstream. We are using this, these things, but then there is, it is not a unified purpose behind. So, for example, if I have a heart problem, I might have a device that actually gives me some intelligence about my heart failure, for example. But then... If that happens, there is no service behind. I mean, there is no support to say, actually, you are in danger or you are in risk. So I think um, Apple and other players, we talk about the Apple Watch in here, are still learning about these things and how can they make the technology accessible to everybody, but how, how can they close the loop and solve the... I would say the adjacent issues because it's not just about the wearable, it's about the engagement, it's about uh, how people interact with wearables and um, yeah, there, there's so many things to, to consider. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a big thing as well. Okay, well, uh, it's been a, a, a lot of, a, it brings a lot of questions for me and a lot of things. So, so I want to just uh, probably, and the wrapping up, we're getting close to one hour. So one of the things is, so for instance, in terms of, um, the market share of this industry. So, for instance, if you look at the global medical wearables market, expected to reach uh, 
around $19 billion in 2025, and currently is around $7.4 billion this year. And the diverse market, of course, is much bigger. It's, it's, if you touch, of course, the wearable devices related with healthcare and fashion, around 150,000 billion annually in 2026. So we are the, among the COVID-19, which is uh, a big problem to say less. And now we have a lot of uh, the, the tracking of social distance and as well all these different... Obviously, all these challenges that we're facing uh, when it comes to the social distancing, the wealth care components of COVID-19, as well these technologies... And as well, the data part, because this is kind of a, a bit of a, a really very sensitive area, but as well a great opportunity for brands and for the users, even for us citizens and for us influencers to, to actually approach and position and take more initiative in terms of position, better um, kind of rights of our data and better mm -hmm. solutions for our issues. Are you seeing any good things coming out of this? I always like to finish in a more positive level yeah. or not so much. No, I have seen quite a lot. Actually, I, I wrote a report about 159 pages around, around wearables. It was primarily elf-engagement elf wearables. And I've done a, a book chapter on... Um, uh, my vision is, is that wearables and artificial intelligence combined will be the true game-changer in healthcare. And I think now there are a particular company, for example, from Israel. Now they have a wearable and they, um, I mean, they have a true remoting uh, monitoring capability in place. But now the, the COVID-19 really highlight the need for it because I'll give you an example. Let's say for the sake of the argument, you have COVID-19. Nobody can get around you. You can't go to the hospital. You are isolating at home. How do we know that we actually you are okay and you are alive? And so the need for wearables is greater than ever with the remote monitoring capabilities in place, body temperature, vital signs. Also, they can be used as a communication vehicle. That I mean, if you know that data is um, collected, uh, collected and transmitted backs and forwards, you are in a good place. But now the the COVID-19 really highlight the need, I mean, and the usage and the really the true value for wearables. And I think the wearables really have a particular crucial role to impact the COVID-19 era, if you, know, if you like, and the post-COVID-19 the post era, because eventually this will be the norm, you know where in care homes people are monitored regularly uh, by, by remote monitoring capabilities, you know, with wearables and sensors. So I think the COVID-19 actually, in many, many people lost their lives, but they gave us a bit of a push towards we need, where we need to be and where we need to be adding, you know, in a wearable sense of the bigger picture, if you like. I'm completely with you, and I think it's going to be a, a, a bigger challenge, but a big opportunity as well, because we're still in the middle of all of this, and, and I think special and digital transformation. So, picking on your re report and research, what other major um, insights did you brought from that research and your book and all this research that you did? Mm. So, uh, we we really saw, for example, I'll give you an example. One of the one of the things that we done in the research was with um, uh, 11 face-to-face -face interviews in, in three different countries, in UK, Netherlands, and somewhere else. And, and people, um, they, they, they need different things from the wearable. 
So I think the wearables are not, they seem very personalized, but they are not. Also, they see a lot of issues and people, they don't like the wearables because they are bulky or tend to be a bit big and, you know, but also they, all, they also feel the lack of support behind the service because it's not just about, it's not just about getting the wearable. It's about knowing how to use well. And I've been doing lots of talks, as you know, globally around wearables. And sometimes I go back to basics and I tell people, well, make sure you charge your well. It seems very basic. It's like putting petrol in a car. You, you drive your car, you make sure that you got petrol. But sometimes it's the simple stuff that actually make the difference. Make sure the battery is charged. Make sure, I mean, you, you, you the wearables are ready to be used. But there are many things that uh, um, they came out in, in, I mean, in research such as the connectivity, the lack, the lack of support in the systems. Yeah, many things that we found out, really. Okay, very good. So, as a wrap up and uh, um, and try to understand. So, first of all, um, um, where people can find you? I know that you are all over social media, but just a <laughs> bit of promotion to you and as well to your channel. So, we're going to put that in the interview, and as well, what's coming up to you? What are the the biggest things that you're planning right now uh, in the last in the next couple of months? And as well, yeah, great. Well. People know me as the wearables expert. They can easily find me. Um, on Twitter, I am wearables expert. On LinkedIn, I'm very, very active. I'm also bringing, I'm, I'm building my brand on Instagram now because I really see a big, a big challenge, a big channel going, going forward. So people can always find me on, um, only, I love LinkedIn, but I'm also doing, doing other things. Um, I'm, I'm taking part in, um, as an influencer in a very large virtual event with a big technology brand next week. Uh, I'm part of that kind of promotion with, um, I mean, is the uh, HP the Discover and I'm promoting the, I mean, the registrations and also some part of the content. Is an, is an healthcare piece there based a lot on cloud, 5G, artificial intelligence, edge computing, uh, Wi-Fi 6, I mean, um, intelligence cloud, hybrid cloud, public cloud, lots of different things. I'm, I'm promoting that. I'm also involved in um, another virtual conference in London um, towards the end of next week, which are women in tech. I'm a panelist for IoT and the cloud as well, talking about wearables and ethics and, and, and these issues that we highlight today. I'm also going to be part in one um, very large um, virtual event to be confirmed in Hong Kong um, in July. I'm also involved in a Jordan uh, kind of um, a, a research organization institute that asked me to do a talk on wearables for students and uh, researchers. So things are looking very, very busy in the next couple of months and I hope we can start traveling soon so I can get even busier. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great pleasure. I'm actually I'm a huge fan of wearables, so we will definitely will come back to a lot of things and potential do a lot of uh, coordination between the areas of healthcare and health tech and a lot of different things. Thank you so much for having us here or for uh, for being here and uh, wishing all the best and success for your endeavors. Uh, Dinesh, thank you so much for having me. A pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.